The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the 25th chapter. Jesus said to the disciples, When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate people from one another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come, you that are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food, or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you, or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. And then he will say to those at his left hand, You that are accursed, depart from me into eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not give me clothing. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not take care of you? Then he will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. The Gospel of the Lord. You seated. There's a, a part of me as we approach this last Sunday of the year that was glad that the last Sunday of the year is ending the year because it means that we're through with some of these hard passages in Matthew. It, it means that we're through with some of this dismissing people into the eternal fire and, and we get to happy things like John the Baptist calling people a brood of vipers. You know, happy things. This time of year is always like that. Remember last year, we, or last week, we talked about apocalyptic literature being something that reveals the character of God and reveals God's plan for what is. And then Ippolit, after church, gave me something that I don't know that I've ever enc encountered in terms of an interpretation of apocalypse. And I'll, I'll spare you the length of the details, which were actually really interesting. Thank you for that. But a calyps is apparently a part of a flower that's the hard bud at the end of a branch. And when it softens and opens, the calyps is oppoed. Remember, oppo means remove and calyps can mean cover. And so apocalypse can also be a blooming. The revealing of what's beautiful inside, what appears hard. And you don't get, and this is, this is Ippolit, not me. You don't get to the bloom without the hard winter. So we, we, through the season of Advent, which is called a penitential season in the church like Lent is, through the season of Advent, we do have these hard readings, but why would we do that to the pastors who have to preach on them? And why would we do that to the people who have to sit there and listen to them? 
part of it's because one of the most unerring truths of life is that we are much more geared toward remembering our suffering than we are our happiness. We're, we're much more likely to remember when times were hard. And then not only do we remember when times are hard, but I remember when Lauren and I first met, we were getting get ready to get married. She quit her job and I got fired from a job about the same week. And so we entered into being married with no jobs and we lived on the food that we had as leftovers from our wedding and the money that we got as wedding gifts. You don't remember this? It was the most romantic time of our lives, it, right? I mean, do you remember when we struggled and we worried what we were going to do for work and we worried what we were going to eat? It was beautiful. And isn't that what we do a lot of times in life? We talk about those hard times and not only do do we then say those hard times were hard, but because we're geared toward thinking life is a good thing, because it is, a lot of times we change those stories so all of a sudden they're somehow, somehow romantic. They're, they're somehow exciting. They're somehow good, or at least better than they were. It's true. Anytime with Lauren is a good time. But I do enjoy the times when we both have jobs and we have some money a lot better. And I suspect that might be true of other people as well. I, uh, I was listening to a story, uh, a 60 Minutes broadcast on YouTube, and I, I'm assuming it was recent. I didn't realize 60 Minutes still existed. But the people on there keep se seeming to get older, so I assume it has existed for quite some time. But it was talking about Clarksville, Mississippi, the home of the Delta Blues. And there was a, a guy on there whose name was something like Screaming Chicken, and that was his blues name. And Chicken said that, you know, in, in Clarksville, they, they still live the blues. Everybody wants to come there and hear the music of the blues because, as, uh, as somebody on there said, it's the music of our soul. It's the music of our heart crying out. But nobody wants to live the blues because the blues that they live is the poverty because the state of Mississippi doesn't provide the tax money to those areas as well as they do to other areas of the state. It's, it's the rundown neighborhoods because there's no jobs in Clarksville, because as industry abandoned it, opportunities dried up, but people still remain because leaving isn't an option for everybody. And so you, you might be saying to yourself on, in a, on a Sunday where we celebrate Christ the King, on a Sunday where where we have lots of opportunities to talk about neat things like the parable of the sheep and the goats, which I actually, believe it or not, do love this parable for a lot of reasons. You know, when, when we could be talking about the happy things, like looking forward to the season of Christmas or being thankful because we just had most of us a meal that stuffed our bellies full. We also remember that there are people in, in this kingdom, in this world, in this age, in this nation, in this neighborhood, who didn't fill their bellies as well as they might have liked to. Or maybe they did, but they did it knowing that they were sacrificing the opportunity to fill their bellies later, because they, they spent it all on the one meal that reminds us of the joy of being human, even in a time where times are hard, and a lot more people sing the blues of living than necessarily sing the bars of the Delta through their music. And what I think is so striking in, these par in this parable about sheep and goats 
an Ezekiel story about God being the shepherd, separating the sheep from the sheep, is that when we see this idea of sheep and goats and sheep from sheep, what we realize is not only are they saying the same thing, but all that Jesus teaches is something that has been taught generation after generation after generation. And I've heard some people ask sometimes, well, why do we read all the same stories from the Bible every three years? Because we're on a three-year cycle. You know, why do we keep repeating all these, all these same stories? Why do we keep singing all these same hymns? Why does the preacher seem to talk a lot about justice or the preacher seem to talk about equity? Or why is it the preacher, preacher seems to choose this agenda? Well, it's not me choosing the agenda. It's in the wisdom of those who put together the revised common lectionary. And it's because year after year, generation after generation, thousand years after thousand years, we people have changed so little that we need to hear the same reminders that it is not the wealthy who are moral. We need to hear the same reminders that we give the children. We are called to share. And while I don't understand why anybody who encounters a naked person would leave them naked because like you, yuck, but at least in public, I you know, when, when we encounter people who are in need and, and the narrative that we have in our culture is that they are somehow in need because there is something immoral about them, it's because they drank too many Starbucks. It's because somehow they make bad decisions. It's because somehow they don't work hard as other people. But I'll tell you the truth. In this kingdom, I see the poor working harder than anybody else, especially the people who have plenty. And here is the problem with being the one who is able to shoulder and horn your way through the sheep so that you can have more and more to satisfy it. It's that when we have more, we justify it. When we have more, we rationalize it. When, when we have more, we're able to tell ourselves the story because we're insulated from the cruelty of the world, that somehow we deserve it more. And if other people had made better decisions or were as smart as we are, and in our case, as good-looking as we are, then, you know, it, they would obviously be doing better. Christ our King, the kingdom of God. These are important concepts for a world that has had kings and queens, presidents and chairs of parliament, all these different leaders, all of whom embody worldly power, all of whom embody all the things that that we lift up as our values because God and country and all the rest. But we find that in the halls of power where people make war against each other, both with weapons and with words, God does not reside. Because where does God reside? God resides with a crook and God's hand, making way for the sheep who are hungry. God resides with those who have pity on the poor and make it their business to tend to their business. God resides in this space. I think it is important to call God king and to say kingdom, even though there's been it's out of fashion because patriarchy and you know binary genderism and all the rest of it, and things actually I think are worth talking about and considering. This is not my rebellion against any of that. But I, I think it's important because in the same way, one of the things we learn hopefully in church is the beauty of what community can provide, even though people are people. 
the ability to be with people of all ages, of all classes, and in some areas, all races. We have this opportunity that's unique among almost any other place we might gather because we usually choose places to go where other people who share our interests are. It's important that we understand that when we encounter God, God is much less pragmatic than we are. And God is insistent on the way of love. God is insistent on the way of justice and equity. God is insistent on those things that we often are willing to give up because it allows us to be so much more comfortable. And I think the example of a king in this, in this paradigm that makes it important is that we see so frequently the injustice of a king and God demonstrates what true kingship looks like, what true sovereignty looks like to, to call in the conversation that, that Dan and I were having before worship, that a kingdom is not something that allows this inequity to stand without any answer, that God's values are different. And in a place where a lot of times we, we do judge male power and male manliness and the rest of it by, you know, which bad guys the good guys kill. The, the example of, of God our Father, God our King, is an example that a man like me who wants a different role model might be able to follow. One who doesn't base their identity in the ability to destroy, but who roots their identity in the ability to, to love and to tend and to nurture and, and to feel the feelings with people and to weep in the road with Mary and to comfort Martha. Those things that so frequently are denied to men in our culture, the access to vulnerability and emotions. And I, I go this way because I think it's important that we, we think very clearly about what it means to be human in the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, we are here with the fullness of our humanity because God in Christ is with us in the fullness of our humanity that becomes the fullness of God's humanity. And we see in God's kingdom a different story that the poor are cared for. And it's not that the rich are left out. It's that the rich are given the same opportunities. It's, it's not that we are forever awful and if we do these things, we're for, despite what this parable says about weeping and gnashing of teeth and eternal fire, you know, most of the time we find in our lives that we are both the sheep and the goats in our lives. We find that we are both the sheep who are starving in ways that are other than physical, but we're also the sheep who are able to push people out of our way. And in, in God's pasture, we find that that part of us that is greedy and wanting and prideful doesn't do us any good. And so we have the opportunity to lay it down. With Christ as our king, this is our calling because God is sovereign and the one who is truly sovereign has no need to carry the power and clutch it to them because it belongs to them. And so God with power can give it away. And it doesn't bother God because it still belongs to God. So what do we do with all this? As we look forward to broods of vipers and we look forward to, to all sorts of 
adventural joy. How do we how do we live this out? The way we live this out is in the example of Christ. We lay down all those things that might make us great in our own estimation. And we take up the burden of others. This is the kingdom of God, where we recognize that a burden shared is a lighter burden. And we recognize that all of us are called into this love that allows us the privilege of vulnerability so that we might find place together where we can reside in a place that, because of God's love and ours too, is livable for everyone. Amen.